Hi, I'm Jason Jessup, the CEO of Magna Mining. Magna is a Sudbury-focused nickel-copper PGM exploration development company, and our flagship asset is the Shakespeare Mine, which is a past producer um, and currently has major permits for the construction of a 4,500-ton-per-day open-pit mine mill and tailing storage facility. Jason, good to see you. I saw you two years ago, November 2019, when you were private. I mean, obviously, we both look younger, healthier, and... Uh, fitter, but uh, we, we'll, we'll sweep past that. We'll talk about your project instead. How have you been um, for the past two, two years? Been busy by the looks of it. Yeah, it's been really busy since I last spoke to you. And uh, yeah, we were a private company back then. Um, I would have to say we were, you know, looking for financing to move the project forward. And in uh, May of 2021, we uh, completed an RTO transaction. Uh, went public on the TSXV under the ticker symbol NICU, Nickel Copper. Um, he raised $7 million concurrent with that and uh, launched a exploration program at Shakespeare, which was really the first significant exploration program probably in 15 years on the project. And, uh, and also um, started the feasibility study, which we recently uh, announced the results from. Yeah, cool. We'll, we'll get into all of that, right? So I'm going to treat this as a new interview, although we did speak a couple of years ago, just over, um, for people new to this story. Okay, so um, why don't we kick off? What's, what's, your, what's your background? What's, what's the relevant experience to what we're trying to do here today? Sure. So I, I live in Sudbury. I've been in Sudbury since 99. Uh, um, I have about a background in mining operations. Um, I ran mines and operations in the mining industry uh, for a number of companies around Sudbury for about 15 years, um, notably with FNX Mining, which was an absolute great uh, part of my career. Spent six years with them, um, brought the, uh, the Morrison deposit, which was FNX's uh, flagship asset into commercial production. Um, and then we merged with Quadra. And then right around the time that KGHM bought them out, I moved on, worked for another junior company, uh, ended up getting my MBA and, and uh, worked in the royalty space for a little while. Um, but really, I, I saw this opportunity with uh, three majors back in Sudbury again to found uh, Magna Mining in 2016. So right back in Sudbury, uh, doing what I know best. Good. And uh, who's the team that you brought on board with you? They are actually yeah. doing stuff, not just there for names, a nameplate on the uh, PowerPoint. Yeah. So uh, Paul Fowler is our uh, senior vice president and Paul has been working with Magna for about three years in different capacities and different roles. But he's really my right hand man. He's based in Toronto. Um, he's got a, a sales and, and marketing background, um, you know, really good in capital markets and has been, you know, a key, a key part of the plan. Um, our senior vice president of uh, exploration is Manir Hoxha, and Manir is a, a PhD structural geologist. I worked with Manir for a number of years at the McCready West Mine with FNX, and then uh, you know we're really thrilled to have him back here. He is a uh, a brilliant geologist who you know I think he's one of the best deposit finders I've ever worked with. Um, and then we have our CFO is Derek Wayrosh, and Derek and I co-founded the company back in 2016. Um, Derek also works with Palladium One, and, and he's our interim CFO and a director of the company. Um, and then we have, I think, a, a very strong board, including Vern Baker, who was the uh, vice president of operations at FNX, and, and Vern and I have, you know, worked together. And he's a uh, you know a significant investor in Magna, and, and currently he's the CEO of Jaguar Mining operating two gold mines down in Brazil. Um, John Siemens on our board, again, a you know, professional board member, and he's on the, uh, the board of uh, I-80 Gold. Um, 
Carl DeLuca is another one of our directors and Carl is a, a lawyer and he previously was legal counsel for Inco here in Sudbury. So again, really understands the nickel business, understands the agreements and how to get deals done. He was also the legal counsel for uh, Detour Gold before they were bought by Kirkland Lake Gold. So I think we have you know, a great board, uh, very supportive, some really good advisors who are also former FNX um, geologists and executives. So our team is, is largely focused you know, on Sudbury and, and have experience in Sudbury, but we've rounded it out with a few others that uh, really add to the team. Yeah, and, we, and, and Vern, we know, and we've spoken to, he's, he's, he's managing a, a, a situation down there with Jaguar, you know, g- good guy, Derek, we know nobody's full, and I guess Carl with the Inco background is quite quite useful. Okay, that, that that's interesting to me. Um, can we just start with the, the plan? You, you were private for a couple of years, okay? So what was the plan then, and how has that involved now that you're, you're public and now that you've also you know, see a little bit more of what it is that you, you've got through the drill bed? Yeah, that's a great question. So back in 2016, we found at the company, we were looking for a, a cornerstone asset here in the Sudbury base, and then we could build the company around. Um, we acquired Ursa Major, which was a, a subsidiary company that owned the Shakespeare mine. And we really recognized that as a, a core asset to build on. Um, the nickel was at I think four bucks when we acquired Ursa Major. So no one really wanted to talk about nickel, but we saw that as the opportunity. And having been in Sudbury and worked in the nickel business and seen the ups and downs, the one thing we we recognized very quickly was when nickel is is down, people think it's going to stay down forever. And when nickel's rising, people think it's going to keep going up forever. And it's funny how, how that is. So we saw this is the opportunity. Let's go and, and pick up some other assets. And, and combine those with the, the permitted Shakespeare project to really grow into a, uh, you know, a new junior producer. Now, being a private company and $4 nickel price, it was, I would have to say, uh, challenging. And raising money, um, keeping the company moving ahead, um, doing some exploration, de-risking the project um, was all very challenging as a private company with nickel you know, in that 4 to $6 range. Um, but we did quite well and we were very, you know, diligent with our, uh, you know, our finances and were able to keep the company going, complete an exploration program and, you know, including drilling and geophysics on Shakespeare, um, you know, consolidate some additional ground in and around Shakespeare and grow the land package. But really what we needed to do was, was to get public, but we wanted to wait until the right opportunity. And so in 2020, when, uh, the financial, sorry, when the uh, pandemic hit um, and gold really took off, everyone was investing in gold. Um, you know, we were we were really waiting to see that opportunity when when nickel and base metals would uh, have their day. So later in 2020, that's when I think uh, investors started recognizing nickel as a as a good uh, metal to invest in, and we saw an opportunity to raise money. So we raised some money in the fall, and that funded our gold public. Um, we were able, like I mentioned, to raise $7 million. So I would say our strategy hasn't changed. Um, we are still a company that is focused on Sudbury. It's focused on building a company around our Shakespeare um, asset. And we're still looking at acquisitions in the basin that have a lot of synergies with Shakespeare, um, deposits that don't make sense to their current owners, that would make a lot of sense um, in a company like Magna and, and have synergies with Shakespeare and, and the, the mill that we're permitted to build. 
Um, so we are, you know, on the same path. We've told the same story. We haven't deviated despite, you know, markets up and downs and, and things changing. And, uh, you know, I think the pieces of the puzzle are really coming together. Right. So, but how does a company like you do this? You're a sub $30 million um, dollar company, right? You've raised 7 million bucks at the outset. I know since September, another 3 million bucks of, of flow three come three. This is, and here's the question you've got to answer. This is a small asset. The grades are good, but it's small for nickel, right? And you're talking the language of um, M&A, sub 30 million. So you're going to have to work out how, the types of deals, the types of structures, because money's going to be tight. Much is going to, you know, it's a constraining factor for you. Is you know, can, can you identify um, through the drill bit? You know, you, you talk about Manier being a, a, a good a good guy. Is that the route you go, organic, or is M and A genuinely an option for you? We've seen a little bit of it. We've seen people like Canada Nickel um, buying up um, some some properties, you know, in the Sudbury region. We've seen some new entrants uh, come in, some Aussie players uh, come in there, and you know, you know, make some great discoveries. So, what what? is going to allow you to tell the story to existing shareholders or people looking at you go um, of, of uh, that says we can deliver scale, we we can grow and we can do it in a very efficient manner. Yeah, that's that's a great question and you know we have we have a plan. Um, now we did announce that in uh, in January 31st we announced an MOU with Mitsui and for those who are not familiar with Mitsui um, they are a Japanese trading and investment company, about a $50 billion Canadian market cap. So a giant, I think their revenues for, for last year uh, in the nickel and, and resource space was about $19 billion. Um, so a very significant partner. And we're actually you know, very flattered to have them so interested in, in Magna and our Shakespeare project. But they've done a lot of work over the past year and a half um, with Magna, reviewing it, you know, we've pitched to them and they believe in what we're trying to do here. They see the significance and the strategic significance of having Shakespeare, uh, the permits and, and what we're trying to accomplish here in Sudbury. And, and you have to, I think this is the key thing that investors really have to ask themselves is why is a $50 billion Japanese trading company want to invest in a $30 million Canadian nickel company? And the reason is, is they see the big picture. They see the vision. They see where we want to go. They have the balance sheet to support us. And they want to not just be an investor, but to be a partner in Shakespeare and, and JV. So I think that is a one piece, as I mentioned, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle. That's one piece that is very important. And it's going to allow us, um, you know, subject to, to getting everything closed. It's still an MOU and non-binding, but we're working through all the details of our of the joint venture agreement and the final due diligence. But, you know, subject to that, we'd have a partner with very deep pockets that believes in the vision and there to support us. So when you talk about creative ways to go after other companies or other projects and, and deposits, um, you know, this would be a great way to do it and having a partner like that. Now as well, we have some other great investors we brought in such as Dundee and, and Jonathan Goodman. And, you know, Jonathan again is uh, made a lot of money on FNX, understands the opportunities in Sudbury, um, understands that there hasn't been an opportunity to invest in a, in a, a really advanced, you know, junior company here in, in the Sudbury basin for a long time. So uh, again, very supportive, large company that, uh, you know, 
currently owns about 19.9% of the company and uh, is supportive of our vision and what we want to do here. So those are, you know, two big facts I think are going to allow us to move forward with our strategy. And, uh, and we're really excited about it. Well, let, well let's, talk, let's talk about both those things, because I think if you can get people to believe this and understand this, then, you know, you're a long ways into, you know, getting their trust and, and, and you know, making sure they're paying attention to what you're doing. So it, the Mitsui thing, it is non-binding and it is just an MOU, right? Some people argue Correct. barely worth the paper it's written on. So tell me why it's more than that. Well, I think that uh, a company like Mitsui, um, you know, they have a lot of reputational risk. They would not let us come out with an MOU on something that is literally kicking tires. Um, as I mentioned, they've been working with Magna for about 18 months prior, um, have done a site visit to Shakespeare, um, understand our vision, and, and we've spoken with them for a long time. They see that this can become... and. and our vision is to become a billion, billion and a half dollar company with three to four operations in production within five years. Me too, but how, 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 do you, how do you do that, right? Saying it and doing it. So what, what, is, what is your expectation of them apart from balance sheet? And what's their expectation of you in terms of being able to access it where others don't? I think that would be good to understand. Sure. So as, as I said, you know, a lot of the assets that we know very well here in the Sudbury region and that uh, we think would fit very well with our company, don't fit with anyone else. If even a Mitsui were to come in and acquire these assets, um, they need something else. And that something else is Shakespeare Mill. So without having the ability to uh, have a customized mill that can process you know, certain types of ores and, and certain um, deposits that just currently don't fit with the existing mills in Sudbury. That is what's really unique about what we have, and that is what gets them excited. Remind me about the remind me what the the mill throughput is, and and you know what it would take to get that thing back up and running. So Shakespeare was a toll milling operation previously. So we have the major permits to construct a forty five hundred ton per day uh, mill adjacent to where our permitted open pit mine site is. So. Uh, you know, that is a great size of a mill. Um, there's always opportunity to expand on it once you're up and running. But we think at 4,500 tons today, it gives a lot of optionality, especially for what we're looking at. And, and the ideal scenario, this is what we're looking at acquiring, would be a deposit that has, you know, sort of Sudbury nickel and copper grades, call it 1.5 to 1.7% nickel, 1% copper with a bit of PGMs. Um, something that we could, you know, that has been a past producer, um, something that can be put back into production fairly easily with a reasonably low capex, maybe doesn't have a tremendous resource, but has somewhere between two and four million tons, and that we could provide an additional 1,000 to 1,500 tons a day to the Shakespeare mill of higher grade nickel copper ores that would supplement the Shakespeare open pit ore. Those are the kind of assets that we're looking at acquiring. And so that's, that's, that's some specific well. numbers there. Have you got, have you got targets in mind? You've been living there 20 years. You've got someone on the board who worked at Enco. There's a lot of data around. So you got some specific targets in mind already? Yeah, we definitely do. We have a, a list of specific targets that we know, as I mentioned, quite well. Um, and, and we are, you know, and, and I think I've said this many times, we are in discussions with um, various owners here in Sudbury. We know all of them and, and we, you know, talk regularly. Um, so, yeah, we, we do know exactly the types of, of targets we're after. 
Um, and, and we think that, uh, you know, subject to having a partner that can help finance, um, we can go after some of these and, uh, you know, there's nothing guaranteed, but, uh, you know, I'm quite optimistic that we'll be able to announce uh, something in the next six months. Okay. So what, what, what does that deal look like? So they've got all the money, a lot of it. You don't. You've also got somewhere in the region of 30% of institutional shareholding in this thing. Um, is the expectation from it, Sue, that not only, okay, that you, you can, you can give them access, but these, the Dundee and Hayward would, what, step aside or, you know, allow Mitsu to come in as an equity partner or do they, is it some kind of structured finance? So, and is it just purely offtake? I mean, what, what, what are you thinking here? Because from 30 million, it doesn't look like you get a whole bunch of options, but you're gonna, you need to tell me different. Yeah, you know, I think that if you just look at it on the surface, you'd say, how are you going to do this? Now, first of all, we're not going to do a deal that's extremely dilutive. Um, I'm a big shareholder. I own about 15% of the outstanding shares. I don't want to get diluted down to nothing, and I would never want any of our shareholders to get diluted down. So we're doing very smart deals. Um, and we're trying to, any deal we do, we'll, we'll try to minimize dilution and do it as smart as possible. Um, that being said, we have a lot of flexibility. So again, in our January 31st uh, announcement of the MOU, we've also mentioned that um, that we will, once we once and if we close the deal with Mitsui, that 10 to 12.5%, we'll have discussions for them to acquire an additional 10 to 15%. Um, in the Shakespeare project alone. So when I say 10 to 15%, that's on a small portion of our Shakespeare project that surrounds the mine and where the uh, infrastructure would be built, which is about 2,600 hectares of our 18,000 hectare property. So we would talk about them acquiring an additional 10 to 15% at an agreed upon price. And I think, you know, their sweet spot is they would love to own 25% in the asset itself. Um, so that would bring in additional cash. So eight to 10 million is what uh, the uh, the deal that we announced is eight to 10 million for 10 to 12 and a half percent of the Shakespeare mine itself. Now for those, you know, who, and again, I think investors have to understand this, it's really important, is that that gives an implied value to the Shakespeare mine itself of 64 million to $100 million Canadian, which is two to three times more than our current market cap. They see the value in it. Um, it's, uh, you know, and, and our existing, you know, institutional shareholders see the value. Um, we just have to get out to the market and, and make sure. So understands. let me be clear. Are, are they, are they coming in at Pubco or are they coming in at asset? They're coming in at the asset level. So at, right. at the URSA major level. Right. And that's what we're valuing that at. Right. So, you, okay. So that is, um, that's kind of roadblock for anyone else. Any other strategic investors kind of looking into this thing a little bit. Okay. In, in, in a way, right. So they're saying, we're in. No one else bother looking because we're we're in twenty five percent, and we and whatever happens further down the line happens further down the line. But but back back to you, sort of Dundee and Haywood. You mentioned there's an RTO, right? Like in, in, in um, when you when you kind of put the private into an RTO. So obviously Dundee and Haywood were sitting on a stack of shares from whatever was it some sort of failed venture before? Was it a what was no, the problem? No, so RTO is with a uh, just a CPC shell that right. I've never done a transaction. Clean. Clean, clean. Got it. You know, very few shares. I think there was uh, 1.7 million shares um, you know, in this in the shell. So they did a rollback and it was very non-dilutive. Um, David Elliott in the Haywood uh, group of investors, they've been involved in Magnus since 
day one since our seed round. Um, and they've been very supportive and continue to be supportive and, you know, invested in the last financing we did back in October. Um, Dundee, they actually just came in at the RTO round. So that's $7 million finance. They came in as the biggest piece of that and then participated again, um, both in the market and in this last financing as well to get to their 19.9%. But uh, I have to say, I can't say enough good things about uh, David Elliott and, and his group, as well as um, John Goodman and, and, uh, Dundee, you know, very supportive shareholders, done a lot of homework on us, done a lot of due diligence before they invested. Uh, they took our, our data, we signed a CA, they took the data, they, you know, tore apart our block model, rebuilt the resource, you know, did their own pitch shells on it and uh, and then came back to us and said, you know, we're the, uh, the lead investor on this round and don't cut us back. And they've been super supportive ever since. So that gives us, again, like a lot of support on, on what we want to do. They see the vision. Um, they understand the potential. And, and I think, again, we're very much uh, undervalued when you look at the deal that Mitsui and, and Magna are talking about right now. It was, why, did, why did they want to come in at asset level only, Mitsui? Well, they're very much, um, they don't want to trade stock. That's not their interest. They're investors. Um, they want to have exposure to the asset level itself, knowing that, you know, Magna may get bought and sold and, and make other discoveries on parts of their properties, but, but they really want to have a piece of that. Now, they're also interested in offtake. Um, and as part of this 10 to 12.5%, they would have the 10 to 12.5%, their pro rata on the offtake of the concentrates. Um, you know, we could, again, look at before we do construction um, financing, you know, other, whether we want to increase that and, and sell some more offtake to help fund part of that construction cost. So there's a lot of flexibility there, but yeah, I think Mitsui, they really just want to be a part of it and they really want to see it get built. Okay. So should we, let's, let's talk about the feasibility study. Okay. Because it's, like I said earlier, you know, it, it, it's a small project, but it's the, it's the kind of cornerstone from which you, you, you built, right? So, um, let, let's, let's talk about that. So maybe give us the highlight of some of the numbers that, that, uh, you put out. Sure. So we really, and I have to explain this very clearly. We constrained the feasibility study to our current permits and closure plan. So the 2006 feasibility study that was done on Shakespeare um, envisioned a seven-year mine life, 4,500 ton per day production, producing you know concentrates and, and shipping them off site to a smelter. Um, we kept all of that you know constrained. We did not want to make any material changes to it, um, which would force us to amend our closure plan and permits and and uh, you know, would show, you know, longer mine life, potentially, um, you know, better economics, but could cause some delays in, in having to repermit things. So we decided to, to stick to the confines of the previous feasibility study. And that's what we did. So based on that, um, very similar to what it was before, 7.1 year mine life, 11.87 million um, tons of reserves, um, you know, all the infrastructure located in the same places, co-disposal area. So disposing the uh, the waste rock and the, the tailings together into one co-disposal area. Um, so all that is the same. Now, we, uh, we calculated the reserves at a 650 nickel price and $3 copper price. Um, the resource that those were based upon uh, was calculated at a 750 nickel price and 325 copper. The, as I mentioned, the reserves are about 11.87 million tons 
and the resources are in the indicated category 16.5 million tons. So the the total resource I'm talking indicated inferred um, underground and open pits about 22 and a half million tons with the entire Shakespeare deposit, but 16.5 million tons indicated open pit. Um, so there's a very good possibility that at higher nickel prices, um, calculating the reserves um, could add, you know, many more years of mine life. And we think that that combined with the drilling that we did in 2021, which was um, very successful, it managed to show um, mineralization continuity across much of our gap zone area, which is we have a, a west zone and an east zone. And then in between, there's a, a gap in the resource um, currently. And the open pit sort of follows this um, gap zone through the west deposit and then into the east deposit. Um, we did about 6,800 meters of drilling at Shakespeare in 2021. And many of those holes were in and around the gap zone. And we had great success with intersections up to 52 meters in the gap zone at um, higher than resource grade and right across basically, uh, especially in the lower part of the gap zone, um, right across from the, the east to the west. So we think that in future resource updates, the open pit resource has, has good potential to grow. And if we can connect the east and west uh, zone um, with a future resource, might be able to use one open pit shell to connect both, uh, both zones and you know, have a much, much larger pit. So there's, there's great opportunity there. And we really would target you know, in a future resource update, um, you know, adding an additional three to 5 million tons to that current 16.5 million tons that we have. Right. Okay. So I think, I think it's fair to say you haven't exactly been marketing heavily so far, right? Um, <laughs> you're going to do something about that. We're, we're talking. That's a good start. Um, but you, you, you obviously, you keep, you think you said twice in this interview, people don't understand, you know, the, the story or don't understand what, what it is that we've got or how we're going to play it, right? And th this project, if they look at this, or this feasibility study on its own, it probably doesn't look like a big project. It's, you know, short, short life of mine, et cetera. But with the expansion work, you're going to have to fund that. So is there, is there money? Are you going to go out and raise money to do that? And if so, what's the sort of ambition there? You know, maybe put it in dollar terms or meter terms. Yeah. So you know, for right now, um, the drilling that we're doing, the our budget for twenty twenty two is completely funded. We're sitting on somewhere around five million dollars cash right now, so we're in very good shape. As well as part of the MOU, if that does uh, get closed. You know, that would provide an additional eight to $10 million non-dilutive um, to shareholders um, into the company, which could be used for uh, long lead items, deposits on equipment, things like that to move us towards, um, you know, the construction of the project. So for this year, we, we feel like we're in very good shape. Now, as I mentioned, a lot of things can happen, which uh, may require, you know, additional funding. Um, and obviously, if we're going to do an acquisition, there'd be a financing. But right now, um, for what we have planned at Shakespeare for exploration, continued advancing um, the deposit, as well as our you know GNA, we're well covered. Right. You can move at any pace you want, I guess is what you just said. But um, it, it comes back to being able to demonstrate that you're going to be able to deliver Matsui what they want. Because, like, you know, come back to it, it's a non-binding MOU, right? And they've been working with you for 18 months on, you know, and they've been done a site visit, et cetera. But even they're going, well, this is a small project, 
So in terms of offtake, it's not not a whole bunch compared to their balance sheet. So you, do you do you, is there something within the MAU in terms of that you need to deliver through the drill bit because they can they can sort of get the historic data and, and some of the, some of the drill announcements that you put out. But do you need do you need to show them scale to get this eight to nine million bucks commitment at asset level? How do you get them um, over the line? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, there's nothing in the MOU. Right. Um, outlines that they've done enough work now that they, um, they they've done their work so they understand what's there um, how much bigger it can get again if you were to run the uh, if someone had signed a ca and wanted to take our data and then run a model and in a pitch shell at ten dollar nickel um, it may be a lot bigger and and you know mitsui is doing their work so um, right now we're pretty we're pretty comfortable with with that side of things um, and we're really you know talking with Mitsui on how we are going to structure things to not just put Shakespeare into production, but how are we going to grow the company and work together in Sudbury at other, other opportunities. And what happens if they walk? Well, I think, you know, that's always a possibility. Um, and you'd have to, uh, you'd have to be, you know, living under a rock to not notice all the activity there is in the nickel space right now. Um, Mitsui is a, a great partner. Like I said, we're flattered to have them interested in our company, but we've had uh, approached by a lot of different groups um, looking to somehow get involved um, in one way or another with Magna and Shakespeare. So I think that if uh, it didn't work out with Mitsui, um, we would probably get involved with another group um, fairly quickly. So there is a lot of appetite for nickel right now. If you look at the the general you know junior nickel world, um, I personally do not know of any company out there that has an asset that's in a tier one jurisdiction that has permits that has, it's technically de-risk because we've run a half a million tons through an existing mill already, um, you know, road accessible and a low CapEx. Our feasibility study estimated the CapEx at about 233 million Canadian, and that's complete pre-production CapEx to get us producing concentrate. So that is very low by today's standards. And that's recent. That's including all the recent inflation we've had over the last year. So that's as of like December. So very, very good numbers. And, uh, you know, I think that that being said, any investor must recognize there's a lot of appetite. We all saw what happened with Norant and, and with Wailu and BHP. So, you know, that's the kind of excitement I think there is. And, uh, there's not a lot of opportunities like ours out there. So we're really uh, hoping we can get this deal done with Mitsui and, and move forward in a positive manner. Um, if we don't, then we don't, but uh, we think there's a lot of other opportunities out there. Okay, and the time frame um, between um, where you are now and going and getting the, the CapEx required, the, 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 the CapEx numbers seem to be somewhere in the region of 230, 240 million bucks, um, assuming uh, interest rates and supply chain issues don't you know, dri- drive those numbers up. We're seeing a lot of that at the, at the moment. People have to redo the numbers. Um, can you, with this first project, without Mitsui, get that uh, CapEx uh, money in place? Would you, does, is Mitsui essential to that as well? Because obviously offtake is offtake. Having security of offtake is great, but you're going to be able to shift this product. But I'm just trying to worry, I'm trying to work out how tied in you are to Mitsui um, or your success is tied into Mitsui being there 
and how much is under your control? Yeah, I think that, you know, we have a lot of uh, knobs and levers to pull. Um, you know, Mitsui is great. And again, we'd love to, to work out a deal with them and we hope we can get there, um, you know, on mutually agreeable terms. But if not, you know, there's things we can do. Now, obviously, we'd love to have a much higher um, market cap and share price to allow us to raise the equity portion with, you know, a lot less dilution. But that being said, you know, a large percentage of our revenues from the, the Shakespeare project as demonstrated from the feasibility study comes from platinum, palladium, gold, and cobalt. And although approximately 80% comes from nickel and copper, um, that other approximately 20% um, is very good metals to be looking at some sort of a stream, which could be part of the project financing our equity component. Um, the debt piece, you know, although even with a seven-year mine life, um, you know, you may pay a little bit higher um, rates on it, but, you know, the debt piece is, is not a concern to us. Um, there's lots of providers out there, especially for a nickel project to supply um, debt financing. So really it's about how do we, how do we put the equity piece together? So again, um, between, you know, potential offtake, between streams and, and just traditional, you know, raising equity from our, uh, our current um, shareholders and some new shareholders, um, we think that it's all doable at a you know, $230 million capex. Okay, so you, you've kind of outlined, why don't, you, why don't you just sum up the things that we're looking for in the near term um, will, be, will be what? Just going to leave me with some thoughts in my head about um, perhaps keeping in touch with you. Yeah, so really, you know, from our point of view, what we're focused on right now is executing on our, our three big pillars of growth. And that is, you know, advancing the Shakespeare project. So we've got the feasibility study completed, and that'll be filed sometime middle of March. We have an MOU announced with Mitsui, which could be, you know, really key to, to moving it forward and, and providing, uh, you know, cost-effective financing. Um, now, the other part is obviously organic growth and exploration. So we have a drill turning. We'll have a second drill turning um, within a couple of weeks, and we'll continue to drill on our P4 and Spanish River targets, which are five kilometers away from Shakespeare, which we think have great potential. Um, as well as, you know, finishing up some of the drilling we want to do around the Shakespeare deposit. And then the third one is, as I mentioned, and this is sort of key to, to everything coming together, is um, some of these very strategic acquisitions that have synergies with Shakespeare in the Sudbury region. So we'll continue to be working um, on those types of uh, deals. And again, like I said, there's nothing guaranteed in, in business until the deal's done. It's not done, but we're quite optimistic. We'll be able to announce something um, in the next six months. So those are the three things that we're really working on hard now. I expect Mitsui's going to take some time, um, you know, Why? three to four more months probably. What, what, are, what, are they, what else do they need from you? Know, you know, very large company. Um, there's lots of legal to do, lots of negotiations, a joint venture agreement, uh, you know, with a, a major company like that is not something that uh, you just take off the shelf. So lots of discussions around that and the fine details. So it's going to take time, but, uh, you know, we're working at it and that's what we expected. So three to four months, I would say to get that completed. And then after that, um, you know, we'll have exploration results coming out. Um, you know, if everything works out, we may have another announcement and, 
you know, we'll keep working towards um, a construction decision, which, you know, if all works out well and, and nickel prices continue to stay high, um, could be as early as the end of this year. Brilliant. Jason, appreciate your time today. Nice catch up with you. Thanks a lot. Uh, and nice to hear your story. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Matt.